lights. It's seven Friday night. Welcome to another episode of Seven Friday Night. I'm Chase Bryson, the managing editor of Sports Stars Magazine, and I'm here again with my co-host Beninos. We're back after a busy weekend. Well, busier for me, less so for you, Ben. How do you know it wasn't busy for me? I got stuff to do. Man. Yes. Hello, everyone, on that note. And welcome back to another edition of Football Follies, brought to you by Ben and Chase's Magical Mystery Tour. Now, see, you came in hot, and I was going to begin by praising you for traveling outside your neighborhood last week and going to the game of the century. In fact, we've had many of these games of the millennium recently, right? But before I get into my usual nonsensical ways, there's no way around this. I'm just going to step aside, which I don't like to do. You were there. You saw this game. What do we need to know about St. Mary's of Stockton's 45-35 to 35 win over the Dallas House Spartans. All right, so I don't want to dig too deep into this game because we'll certainly cover it some during Coach Edson's weekly visit as well. But I feel like I've watched Dallas House play out the same script each of the last three times I've covered them, dating back to that Folsom playoff loss last year. Friday night in Stockton featured a lot of the same things that have played the Spartans in big games this season and late last year. Critical fumbles leading to short fields for opponents, uncharacteristic special teams errors, costly penalties. Also, just like the Sarah game earlier this season and the NorCal Bowl loss to Folsom, Spartans defense was victimized by really good quarterback play. Samson Hunkin was terrific for St. Mary's, completing 23 of 28 passes, 235 yards, three touchdowns, also rushed for two. Remind me a little bit of what Tyler Tremaine did to them, the, the Folsom quarterback from, from last year's NorCal Bowl. So, I don't know. Some of the other things that we've been critical of De La Salle for on this show this season, slow starts, not winning in the trenches, those weren't really an issue. I I thought the Spartans really looked good out of the gate, going up 14-0 in the first 12 and a half minutes. And for the night, they were in the ball well. They averaged five and a half yards per carry, and I think Coach Allenball would take that any any game of the year. But that stuff was just all undone by the turnovers and an inability to slow the Rams' passing game. And that could be a real concern when they have to face Jaden Rashada and Pittsburgh and all of Pittsburgh's receivers in the session playoffs. Granted, Pittsburgh is prone to the same bad turnovers and penalties, so we'll have to see. But it is an area of concern because there are still good quarterbacks coming down the pipe that they'll have to face. And I will say this, if the Sacramento Session Division One Championship game comes down to St. Mary's and Folsom, that's going to be a tough ticket to get because that's going to be one fantastic game. A doozy, we might call it. A doozy. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so speaking of doozies, you went sub-level yeah. this week to cover a few teams that don't normally get the spotlight. How was your night in Pleasant Hill? You had a little bit of a doozy. I do continue to be proud of my ability to show up at really solid games that nobody else saw fit to be at. <laughs> it's getting to be kind of a weird thing that goes through my head when I pick a game. But uh, let me just start by saying that the the College Park Concord game had actually had all the signs of an intriguing game. Uh, and when we're looking for good stories to tell, consider that if Concord had won, we could write about the turnaround for a 6-0 team. And if College Park won, we could write about the continued building that Travis Rossidi is doing in his alma mater. So it was it was a slam dunk for me. For as much grief as I gave you the last few weeks about staying close to home, that's exactly what I did this week. Um, and it was, I thought it was a really good game. 
College Park won 34 to 28 behind a really good defensive performance in the second half. And I thought the Falcons adjusted to Concord's run heavy approach after halftime. That that made it uh made all the difference. A couple quick takeaways, and I won't get too deep into this. Love, love, love what Travis is doing at College Park. And I also want to make sure that I credit Paul Renault at Concord as well. Uh, because we've seen Concord go up and down in our tenure as uh local high school sports writers. They've been on a down lately, and I think they're on the way back up. So credit to Paul and the coaching staff there uh, for what they're doing. Now, College Park has the early edge in the DAL Valley Division, but pay attention to this weekend because the Falcons have to go to Berean Christian on Saturday afternoon. Berean's been really good this year, and remember what Coach Edson has told us time and again. Afternoon football can be super different if you're not used to it. Also, Gavin O'Leary is out there with like half a functional body for the Falcons, so (laughs) If he's not able to be somewhat close to normal, that that could be an issue. Uh, but and this is something that we'll get into a little bit in this week's show. It's a good league race, man. It's an under the radar league that people should pay attention to. I think. So, yeah, it's right you went where all the people were. I went where actually it was a very well attended game. It was a capacity crowd at College Park, so uh, the atmosphere there continues to be very very good. Now, I've invoked the idea of league races, and I want to continue down that path with our favorite segment, Fill the Gap. This week, we're going to talk about some of the most compelling leagues in Northern California since it's that time of year. Let's start with this one. Fill the Gap. The most entertaining league in Northern California is blank. All right. So the most entertaining league in Northern California is the foothill division of Diablo Athletic League. Now, for our loyal listeners who play this show while driving, please don't swerve into a ditch over that answer. I wasn't prompted for the best league, which I think is probably a top-to-bottom toss-up between Sarah Foothill League and the West Catholic Athletic League. I was asked for most entertaining. Last year, my answer to this question would have been the Valley Oak League, where there was top-end parity and offense everywhere, every week. I think we're going to see a lot of the same in the DL Foothill race over this final month. The top four teams are combined 22 and two. Three of those four teams are averaging 33 points or more per game. Miramani's 43 to 35 win over Northgate Walnut Creek on Friday night won't be an anomaly. The scoring is going to be crazy in this league, I think, uh, on a lot of nights. Also, the bottom two teams have outstanding coaches who can put their teams in a position to steal an upset on any given night. Las Lomas's Doug Longero and Craig Holden of Benicia. I think the last four weeks in that league should be quite fun to play out. Uh, starting with the battle of 6-0 teams this week, Campolino of Moraga and Aquilines of Lafayette. So what about you? Entertainment indeed. But uh, okay, I gave you this question first so that you didn't have to think very hard. You are overthinking this, my friend. No, It is the Sierra Foothill League. It is the West <laughs> Catholic Athletic League. Uh, what do we need to say? The, we look at the lineup of SFL games every week and we're like, we're just not going to throw these into the pick show because – we can pick all of them every week. So, yeah, that is the answer to this question. <laughs> but uh, since I anticipated what you were going to say and you threw me a curveball, I'm going to maintain my course and I'm going to pick the Valley Oak League. <laughs> Four teams last year, like you said, finished with nine or more wins. This year you have Manteca and Oakdale up there with six wins apiece overall. And, oh, no, guess who's up there with a 2-0 and league record? 
That's right. It's your old friends from Modesto, the Central Catholic Raiders. Anytime your league title race is a legit three deep, that, my friends, is entertainment. All right. Well, let me give you one then. All right. Okay. Bring it. The most underrated league in Northern California is blank. It's the Sierra Foothill League. (laughs) No, no. All right. I'll move on. I don't even live in that area and I'm shilling for them. Uh, I'm actually going to go. I'm going to go where you were last week, believe it or not. The Tri-City League is having a heck of a year. Yes, they have a marquee team in St. Mary's. And I think we both think that the Rams are going to win that league ultimately. But look at the other records in this league. Tracy is six and one. Lodi is five and two. Lincoln Stockton and Tokyo Lodi are four and three. That's five of the six teams in the league all over 500. I I like that level of accomplishment, even if I think there's a dominant team in the mix. Uh, If you're handicapping playoff matchups, look to the Tri-City League. I I like that answer. I I think I'd go with the Bay Division of the Peninsula Athletic League. Uh, the league doesn't currently have any of its six teams in our top 20 right now, although Menlo Atherton had a three-week stint in September. But all six teams are currently 500 or better. Sacred Heart Prep Atherton is very likely a week away from cracking the rankings after another big win over previously unbeaten Half Moon Bay on Saturday. And depending on how the competitive equity brackets fall, I could definitely see this league getting a pair of section finalists, maybe champions. Some good teams in that league. The competitive equity brackets. You mean the HAL 9000, the <laughs> CCS playoffs brought to you by the, you know, Texas Instruments calculator. <laughs> beep, boop, yeah. beep, boop. Beep. <laughs> so that's good. Let's, um, let's switch some gears and welcome our guest for this week. If you listened to even half of our episodes this year, you've heard this kid's name. In fact, just last week, I anointed him our NorCal Offensive Player of the first half. We were able to catch up with Danny High of Modesto quarterback Connor Stoddard just a couple days after his last-minute game-winning drive lifted the Knights to a 24-22 win at Turlock. Downey's now 7-0, sits at number 19 in Sports Stars NorCal Top 20, and we covered a lot of topics with Connor, so let's listen in. All right. Well, let it be said that I'm a man of my word. Last week in our Thursday Pick'em Show, Ben and I had conflict when it came to Downey Modesto traveling to Turlock, I chose Turlock based on strength of schedule, but notably felt bad about going against Downey and my own pick for NorCal's midseason offensive player of the year, quarterback Connor Stoddard. Ben shamed me and took QB1 and the Knights. I said then that if Stoddard came through, we'd get him on the show to mock my lack of faith. And here we are. Welcome to the show, Connor. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so Chase is not lying. He's been talking you up all year. We've been watching from afar. But last week when the chips were on the table and it was a big game week, he ran so far away. So, you know, you don't have to be nice to him during the segment at all. You have my blessing. I'm never nice to him. So don't worry. Um, now, let's talk football because I could sit here and roast Chase all day. I, I'm going to say. You know, I've read the report. I've seen what happened. Big moments in the last couple minutes of this game against Turlock. Now, we know that quarterbacks tend to have some sort of message for their huddle in the biggest moments of their season. What did you tell your guys when you ran back out there for that final series on Friday night? All I said was that we got this and uh, just staying calm. And I felt like me being calm led to the rest of the offense being pretty calm and we all knew that we could get it done and we do it every week, every Tuesday, we do the two minute drill. And so 
none of us felt panicked. We knew what we had to do and we got it done. Obviously it helps that a lot of the guys in the huddle are seniors. I know that, right? I mean, you have the experience um, for a veteran offense that has been as in sync as yours. What's it like taking the field for a two minute drill with the game on the line? Can you compare that adrenaline rush to anything? I, w- I would say there wasn't much of an adrenaline rush. We all just felt very calm. I felt that was my most calmest moment in the game was just doing that and passing the ball. And we all just felt in sync and that, yeah, us having that chemistry really helped out and, we didn't even have to think twice about the plays or there were no mistakes. Everybody knew their job and executed it. So it's, you invoke the C word, which is uh, you, you could do this for a living, but we do want to talk about <laughs> chemistry because we notice in the stats, you've got three guys all over 400 yards of receiving. So we would, you know, we're talking to you, but we also want to make sure we give some credit to Gabe Hernandez, oh, Gavin yeah. Garcia and Camden rush. Yeah. They're all seniors, just like you. How much history do you have with all these guys? Is this the situation where you guys were just wrecking shop and Pop Warner many years ago? <laughs> no, so when I transferred to Downey's sophomore year, that was our very first time, but we were all sophomores on varsity together. Mm-hmm. And so we had that COVID season. And then last year, I'd say it was when it really started clicking for us. And then this year, during the summer seven on seven, we just built off of everything that we had done before. And uh, man, the chemistry just got even better. Where did you transfer in from? I transferred from Central Catholic. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, All right. Cross town. Yeah. <laughs> Is it a case of like, how do you build that chemistry with a unit? Because at, at this point, people see what will be your last season together. But in the moments that we don't get a chance to see, how, how do you build chemistry with a group like that? I would say just uh, time. Like, for instance, the summer seven on sevens just doing those, but then like the in-between moments, in-between games and the breaks, we'll be talking, having fun with each other. I'd say doing that and then just in practice, focus on the little things and routes and after practice, if I feel like I need more reps at another route or receiver is, has to make an adjustment on a route, we'll be working on that and that just builds the chemistry and confidence in each other that I know where he's going to be and he knows that I'm going to give him the ball when it needs to be there. Which one of those guys is the loudest when you – which one of them says, get me the ball? Oh, man. <laughs> Camden Rush, he doesn't talk much. He just plays, and he's super calm and cool. Gabe Hernandez, so he had a drop in the game, and then he he just said, give, give it to me again, give it to me again. And so I didn't lose faith. Same exact play. We came back, I think it was the next series, gave him the ball, and he was just amped up. He's all, see, I told you, give me the ball again. And <laughs> anytime we're in practice and it's red zone, and it's fourth and 10 or third and 10, he says, give me the ball. I'll take the hit. And so <laughs> – between Gavin and uh, Gabe, it's pretty even. Gavin always says he's going to go take those big-time hits for the catches, and he does. Last game he did that, and Gabe's always wanting the ball too. So I'd say it's pretty even between those two. Obviously, you you guys have had such a great start. What would you say has been your favorite part of this 7-0 start? What sticks out in your mind the most when you look back at this first these first two months of the season? Oh, man, just the team bonding aspect of it all. Everybody's coming together, and I would say none of those big-time wins – or none of these wins were one side of the ball. It was everybody coming together. And we beat Lincoln, Tracy, Turlock, all of those wins. It was the offense executing. The defense kept giving us the ball and giving us opportunities. And then special teams in the Merced game, too. And then Turlock kicking that game-winning field goal for both of those games. I'd say that was the best part because it was a whole team thing. It wasn't one guy or one side of the ball doing the job. So you guys went 9-1 and one last year, uh, but you, the season came to a close in the first round of the D2 playoffs against Lodi. What do you feel might be different this year, and how do you guys get there? What kind of work do you need to continue to do over these next few weeks to get where you want to go? 
what I feel might be different was uh, is our experience against certain teams like Lodi's offense, which we went against Tracy, and they had athletes similar to them. And I'm just looking forward to being able to go do that and go execute. The coaches have just gotten so much better from last year. The game planning against an offense like that, like a triple option, that what we did in practice just as the offense to get the defense ready has just been way different this year and helped out so much. And so I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, I'm also looking forward to – I kind of like how we get doubted sometimes, and sometimes <laughs> our, when when that happens, then we get to go out and play and go show them. I really like that. Chase is happy to help with that. Don't worry, <laughs> we'll, we'll give you more. Just keep listening, and, and I'll make sure he gives you more. <laughs> what was the What was the toughest win? Was it Turlock? Yeah, I'd say the toughest win was Turlock for the full game. It was the toughest win. Merced was a tough win too, but I would say the anticipation. And just the want of to win the game was a lot different uh, playing against Turlock. You can only play one game at a time, right? And and yeah. I know everyone says that, but if you look at the schedule on paper, the toughest games are now behind you. I mean, if you I mean if we look at the records of the next three opponents, you still got to beat them, but yeah. you should be favored in each game. How do you guys avoid having that letdown and and making sure that you finish strong? I would say just not being on too much of a high just because we beat Turlock's and, Turlock and these other good teams, approaching those teams just like how we approached Turlock and Lincoln, watching the film each week, and just in practice, it, keeping that same focus and not really focus on what we did in the past because it doesn't matter what we did in the past. You're, it's in the moment what you actually do. You're defined by that. So I would say just doing that and uh, maintaining confidence but at the same time not getting cocky about it. Explain to the good people of internet land why being a punter is more fun than a quarterback. <laughs> Man, I like funny, funny story though. Sophomore year, like I had never punted before, and I got to Downey sophomore year, and they said the quarterback's got to punt. So I was like, shoot, okay. So the very first punt in practice, it was live. It was a one-yard punt and went straight up, straight down. It was so embarrassing. It was terrible. But then we work it. I think it's like. Two, three day, two days a week, we, my quarterback coach and I, we do it every time. We do about like nine punts. And so I've gotten a lot better at it now. Man, <laughs> I had no comments at first. It was terrible. Your numbers are pretty good. I think if we're, if we're taking a, a full 22, you might be up there on the punter list. <laughs> That's awesome. Have you felt like the, the Modesto and the Downey community kind of building in anticipation for what you guys are doing? Yeah, you can definitely tell that uh, the community behind us, even teachers at school, like that aren't usually into sports are uh, talking about us winning. And then there's uh, at the game at Turlock, Turlock had a homecoming full student section. They're going crazy. Then you hear our parents and our supporters going almost as loud as they were. And we had way less fans. So it was just awesome. You could really feel everybody rallying uh, for us. Right on Connor. Well, we, uh, we appreciate you taking the time and uh, obviously wish you the best of luck the rest of the way, man. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It was awesome. All right. Good luck. Thank you. And now a quick timeout for a few messages from Sports Stars Magazine's podcast partners. At some point, your community will be challenged. It could be a flood, forest fire, hurricane, or civil unrest. When it happens, be the one to answer the call. Rescue the stranded. Protect the threatened. Save the injured. Join the National Guard and serve your community when it needs you most. Visit nationalguard.com to find out more. Are you socially conscious? Do you use good judgment and have integrity? Do you believe in public service, like solving problems, and have empathy and compassion? If so, join our team. 
the Oakland Police Department needs you. And we're hiring. From sworn officers to professional staff, OPD is always looking for kind, engaged, and committed people to join the department. Take a few minutes to find out more by visiting opdjobs.com. Thanks again to Connor for joining us this week. I feel even better in my support of him after that interview. Seems like a good kid. Hopefully one of us will get to see him sling it around the the yard at some point during the playoffs. Now it's time for our weekly visit with Coach Terry Edson, who for sure has run out of his calming chamomile tea at this point. Let's see what kind of headspace we find our favorite coach in this week. Well, we once again welcome the third member of our crew, Coach Terry Edson. And before I let you and Chase dissect the game that you saw on Friday, I want to make a point I meant to make last week. We know you as the former defensive coordinator of the De La Salle Spartans, but lots of people know you as Mr. Edson, the teacher. So before we get into the football, we say congratulations, a seven Friday night congratulations on the occasion of being named the District of San Francisco New Orleans recipient of the Distinguished LaSallian Educator Award for 2022. Check you out making a difference in people's lives and not just for telling folks who not to pick in football <laughs> games. <laughs> well, thank you. I guess, you know, uh, stay at one school for 41 years. I got to do something before you uh, croak. So uh, yeah, I got that award. That was, it was really nice. You know, I, I've been a brother's boy, you know, for 41 years and well even going back when I was at St. Mary's and I was in the you know the first year program so um there was a really it's a really nice honor I mean it, it's it's you know it's like I said it goes from New Orleans to San Francisco so there's it, you know over a thousand teachers and they only pick one so that that was quite an honor for me and um I really appreciate you know, Heather, Dr. Heather Allenball and David Holquin are you know, our president for nominating me and, you know, let me, uh, I'm going to go to Baltimore in the middle of November, right before Thanksgiving, stay at the Baltimore Harbor, trying to work my wife to let me go to Laurel Park. I haven't worked on that one just yet, but uh, yeah, so it's a nice honor. Thank you. I believe the Ravens are in town that Sunday if you stay through the weekend. Uh, I don't think are they? I, I, thought, I thought they were. Uh, I thought I was looking. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you if you the, the on chances it. of uh, my wife going to an NFL game are about as uh, you uh, beating me in golf. So uh, <laughs> that's you know that's how low it is. Have you visited the city of Baltimore before? Yeah, I've been there once. Yeah, I've been to Inner Harbor and stuff like that one time. I did it. Uh, um, crime and it was the longest I actually shows you back then. It was the longest I'd ever been away from De La Salle High School. My wife and I, long before kids and all that, my sister lived back in New Jersey. We did a um, an East Coast trip, and uh, Baltimore was part of it. 17 days. That was the longest in all my years at De La Salle, the longest I've ever been away from the school. Well, see, Chase, I set up the positive stuff. Now, yeah. here, here you come. <laughs> The cooler the football, <laughs> the cooler, great movie. William Macy. Everyone needs to see that movie. <laughs> All right. So yeah, let's talk football. So I've uh, been asked me about uh, the De La Salle St. Mary's game earlier in the show. And I made mention that all of these De La Salle losses dating back to last year's NorCal games seem to follow the same darn formula, self-inflicted wounds and being victimized right. by good quarterback play. 
They even got off to a good start this time, like you said they needed to do, and it still didn't matter. So I'm going to ask you what was, I mean, let's get the, the angry part out first. What were you most frustrated with on Friday night? Well, Tony Franks, I mean, is the head coach of St. Mary's, does a great job. And, you know, there's no doubt about it. You know, he's got good athletes and a good offense. But, my God, I mean, we, we couldn't stop anybody <laughs> the whole night. Um, and that was really frustrating. I, I I still believe, you know, if you've been watching Delisle, that, you know, our offense is making, you know, of course, we turned it over three times. Not You know, and you're not going to win a lot of games turning the ball over three times. But I still think our offense is looking better and making good strides. But. Uh, and our, you know, and our kickoff team did better, and you know, and we had a kind of a shanked punt. You can't do a lot about that as a coach. That's just that's you know that can happen to any. That's just kids, and that's the way it goes. But special teams are better, but defensively we were just not good, and um, they they out they out coached us, and there's no doubt about it. On the offensive side to our defensive side, they found the holes and. Um, we couldn't stop them, and I, I'll give them credit for that. And um, this reminds me as a coach, I went through this. You know, everyone's got, you know, people kind of just think of the recent, and they kind of, but I've been there a long time. So we, we've had we've had some lulls in uh, the De La Salle football program before. In the 80s, we, we had a situation where we weren't playing well, and, and a couple for one year particularly, and we finally got it together. And it was when we beat Granada in the Coliseum. That I remember. That year was a very trying year. We weren't playing up to our capabilities. And then 2004, when we lost the streak, you know, it just took us a while to get back on track after we lost the streak. So 2004, 2005, 2006, you know, we were winning North Coast, and that that's I'm sure people are going to say that's the difference, but you know, that we were, you know, losing to Mission VAO down south. And so the wheels were kind of coming off a little bit then. And then we lost in state, remember, to Canyon County 2006. So then all of a sudden everyone was like, what's wrong with Dallas South football? You know what, though? We pulled it together. Then we started. That's the year we went to. Then 2007, we won. We beat Centennial. And then, I, I don't know, we won state. I don't know at least three or four times after that. Right. And uh, so, you know, this is, we've got a lot of kids. There's no doubt about it. We're not playing up to the expectations that I thought we would. Uh, We are, it's just, I'll say it as it is. I told you, we're just an average team right now. I just believe right now, you know, you get up 14 to seven, this we're becoming like a lot of teams were against us. We get up 14, nothing. And then they go down on an 80 yard drive and score and I think our kids are like, oh, here we go again. So they're not playing with a lot of confidence. And we're going to have to – they're going to have to – coach is going to have to find a way to build them back up and, and get them going. But um, there are a lot of young kids playing. They're going to get good experience from this. And, um, you know, we're just going to have to move on from there. But we're, we're not a great football team right now. There's just no doubt about it. And uh, we've got to learn to start stopping people or it's going to be a long season. I'm not sure who wrote the story or where I saw it, but I feel like Coach Ladd was on record as saying 2004 was one of his favorite teams because of what it went through and and how it oh, finished the season. Oh, oh. Is that not is that not accurate? It might be for him. 
<laughs> Bob well, Lattiser, the eternal optimist. <laughs> yeah, good for Coach Lad. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we definitely got it together when we beat. Um, was it Amador in that game? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I we would. I remember that game. I mean, we're at Berkeley. We had a great goal line stand, and we put it together and all that. But if you want to call that was a great game and a great finish. But as the season went, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, I'm good for Coach Lad. I think that's great. <laughs> Chase did a little bit of a breakdown on the game earlier, so we won't, for lack of a better term, uh, beat a dead horse, but. <laughs> Uh, the game that is, I think I've used that term before too. I should stop using it. Uh, let's move on. You are in the position that you've seen the best teams that Northern California has to offer this year. And right now that list consists of Sarah Folsom and St. Mary's having watched them all. Which of these teams do you feel is the most complete team right now this year? Wow, that's a great question. You know, the, one of the things is, though, what what did I, I saw Sarah in their second game, right? Mm, right. Yeah, and then St. Mary's. I, I think what's going to, if I'm just looking and I'm just looking at it objectively, St. Mary's got the offense, but I, I think their defense is going to have to improve to, to get, to, like you said, to get to that final stretch. So I, I think... Sarah, uh, if I look at it, Sarah and full, um, Sarah's probably has the best defense of the three. Um, Sarah had a young line that played very young against us. So that line has to improve, I think, for Sarah to continue, you know, if they want to get where they want to get. And they, I haven't seen them since the, I played with them. So one thing they had a young line that they can definitely improve, but that to me, their offensive line would have been um, a concern if I'm Patrick when I, when we played. Um, Folsom, I think, is probably the most uh, well-rounded team. You know, they played Sarah super close. Uh, they picked off Pitt four times. They've got a, a decent offense. So I think the you know St. Mary's has got to go through uh, Folsom. Eventually, I think that that's going to can Folsom's defense have enough firepower to stop St. Mary's offense and can, you know, that, that game could be a shootout or I don't know what it's going to turn into. If I had to break it down right now, looking at all the teams that I saw, I, I feel I feel like it's Sarah and Folsom are the two teams that I think just because I think they play the best defense and that's going to make a difference down the road. But Folsom is ahead of Sarah in their offense. Although I like Sarah's quarterback. I do like Sarah's quarterback. But um, that offensive line's got improved. So that's, you know, best. I think that's the best I can give you on that. What did you think was was St. Mary's best attribute? That number five? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I mean, they got got speed and athletes. Uh, I I didn't, you know, I, they, they just... The, you know, their quarterback, I think he's the, he's the, you know, of all the quarterbacks and Sarah's guy ran too, but he seems to be the shiftiest and he's the best athlete. So uh, of all the three quarterbacks, you know, he's the best athlete. He's a problem. You know, if you, if you cover in the secondary, he's the kind of kid that can make some major yards. So 
one of the problems those teams then they, with the problem is they have a quarterback like that is uh, you can go man, but you, you can't play two safeties behind because someone's got to spy the quarterback uh, if you go man. And then if you go zone, um, you're rushing four guys. And then, you know, if it, it breaks down, he gets going. So it's always a handful when you have a quarterback. And, you know, he picks his spots, which is smart. He's not just, you know, running willy-nilly. But, you know, in big games, he's going to cause you problems. There's no doubt about it. So, He's impressive. The receiver was super, was really impressive to me. They spread you out, and you got to cover all of them. I mean, they got athletes all over the place, so that that's an issue. Haven't you ever wanted to have a player play for you named Samson? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. With yeah. long, long, long locks. Too. <laughs> well, that seems as good a place to wrap it up as any, because I have the opposite of long, flowing locks. You so. Do. Uh, I'll I'll be the one to uh, say that that's uh, that's it for today, and I will thank you for dissecting um, yet another high quality high school football contest. Thank you. All right. Well, All until right. Thursday. We'll see you Thursday for picks. I know you'll be excited for that too. Yeah. Well, I'm. Oh no, I'm going three and zero. I'm I'm calling it right now. Perfect. Okay. How many times have I said that though? A few. <laughs> A few. Not every week. But this time I'm really doing it, though. All right. I'm like Babe Ruth calling his shot. I'm going for you now. <laughs> we'll that see is Thursday. A, if that isn't a tease, I don't know what is. <laughs> Another fine segment with Coach Edson. Lots to talk about. Thursday should be a hoot as well. Um, speaking of hoots, Chase hit. Uh, if you were listening last week, I'm, I offered. I said if Chase hits all his scheduling marks this week, I would do the read. Chase did hit all his scheduling marks, and I'm still not going to do the read. Chase, <laughs> tell the people what you, they need to know. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to get you to do it eventually. <sighs> Let's go. Here we go. We want to thank Downey quarterback Connor Stoddard one last time for coming on the show, as well as Coach Edson for making his usual stop. And we build seven Friday night using Anchor, but the show is available on several platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. If you listen to shows on one of those platforms, search for 7 Friday Night, and please rate and subscribe. Each of our episodes also get their own dedicated page on Sports Stars Magazine's web home, sportsstarsmag.com. You can stream the episode there, find links to the various other platforms, and check out a variety of bonus items and articles that we tend to include. Also, follow the show on Twitter at at sportsstarspods, and you should also be following Sports Stars Magazine at at sportsstarsmag. That's where you'll get all the latest updates on upcoming guests and more. Our cover art features photography and designed by yours truly. And our theme music was produced by Dustin Phillips, who performs in multiple bands in the Sacramento area. And that'll do it. All right. Your favorite time of the day. Let's do final thoughts. Yes. Final thoughts. Uh, let's start by putting to bed this thought that league play is somehow not as important as other play. I saw College Park launch one heck of a celebration last week for beating Concord. We t- we talked to Connor Stoddard, and he was still pretty fired up a-, a couple days later about a win over Turlock. We'll cover a lot of this on Thursday with our pick show, but the league matchups are not just fun because they're rivalries. They're fun because they matter in the larger scheme of NorCal football. Like, we have games this week that just flat out matter when you're talking about who's going to be where in the postseason. So... Yeah, since I helped build the picks board this week, I know that we have some tremendous league games out there, and I'm looking forward to Thursday and making a fool of myself yet again. So 
it's going to be a good week of football. Yeah, league races are fun, man. I've always enjoyed them. Uh, always like to look ahead, see where the best matchups are, uh, and when the uh, when the top teams are going to play each other. It's the, it it does matter. It matters a lot. I think a lot of the games this week um, are going to go a long way in deciding champions for sure. So. We haven't we didn't touch on this at all during the episode, but in no other world than a, a heated league rivalry do we end up at the end of the night on Friday night disputing one another over a team that won or didn't win shockingly because when I called chase or chase called me after our games, as he's driving home from St. Mary's Stockton. And I tried to convince him that Liberty beat Pittsburgh because that's what Max Preps said. And chase set me straight that that was actually erroneously reported. Thanks, Max preps. Um, like on paper, that should not be that close at all, but because it's a league game and it matters to those kids, Liberty hung tough and almost beat Pittsburgh in what would have been the most surprising upset of the week. So absolutely yeah, of the year so far, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. So way to fight Liberty way to fight. All right. So we will be back and you'll hear us again on Thursday. When we come back for the pick show. We'll see you then roaring like lions. <laughs> What what is tackling anymore? Now I'm getting irritated with the game of football. Yeah. <laughs> you can't tackle anybody at quarterback anymore? <laughs> what a joke. <laughs>